you're on the Plants Grow Here podcast. I'm Daniel Fuller. Come along with me as we enter a hidden world of deep horticultural, ecological and landscape gardening knowledge with featured experts, industry professionals and enthusiasts. The people at your local mile shop are full of wisdom and today we're lucky enough to have on Dan Flynn who's a mechanic that specialises in small engines and is the owner of the steel shop in Redcliffe, Western Australia. I'm interested to know what tips he's giving out to professionals and home gardeners alike. Welcome to the show, Dan. Thanks, Dan. What's something that you get asked a lot down at the shop? It's basically just mechanical questions, to be honest with you, like advice on specific machines and uh, uh, how to use them. I I specialise a lot in chainsaws because I do uh, a bit of uh, firewooding myself on the side. So I've got a lot of firewood and stuff and Got a lot of experience doing that, mowing my own lawn and stuff. <laughs> you know, definitely not a uh, gardener, but you know. So you're more of a mechanic than a gardener. Oh, definitely, yeah. But in saying that, I've, you know, I've used a lot of machines. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I've fixed a lot of machines, heaps. Tell me, like, what are the three or four most common questions that you get asked there at the steel shop? How to load a line and a whip super head. That's number one. <laughs> Uh, I'd say about six times a day, mate, I'll show someone how to do that. <laughs> is that speed feed? No, that one there is pretty easy. That's usually like first time users, so <laughs> quick, easy job. I'm not a fan of speed feed my, myself. Don't get me wrong, they're good heads. I just prefer the steel ones, to be honest. I'm a fan of the auto feed specifically. Oh, okay. Supercut 20-2. Uh, there's a lot of gardeners out there that don't like it. I just find it easier, mate. You don't bump it. Uh, it's a bit more low profile than the uh, steel bump feed head. It doesn't have the bump button sticking out the bottom. It's just a good head, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and you like the fact that it opens out by itself? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Because that's funny because I've tried them before and I hated it. There is a lot of people that say that. Uh, I, I do get where you come from. Say if you're going along someone's nice lawn and then it just bang, opens up, takes yes. a chunk out of the lawn. Not a good exactly idea. That. But, you know, yeah, uh, exactly that. <laughs> or ring barking. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. But people up in the hills and stuff, bush blocks, we've got a lot of rocks around and, and that sort of stuff. Um, it's handy because you don't have to, you can keep it off the ground. You don't have to keep bumping it, hitting the rocks and, you know what I mean? That's In that sort of respect, it comes in really well. But uh, right. You just got to expect it, like know when it's going to come out, sort of thing. You know, mm. there there is a point of where it will flick out on you, hmm. and that just takes practice. Yeah, it does, I suppose. Yeah, that's good to know. Yeah, so I guess when you say that you don't want to be bumping it on the ground because there's all the rocks and stuff around, the speed fed heads you're bumping on the ground that extends out the cord, and you end up wearing it down because it's basically like sandpaper. Exactly. You're not you have to replace that part. Like, if you're mowing a manicured lawn, it's not going to wear it out at all. But um, if you're on in rough terrain or whatever, I'm pretty sure one of those speed feet speed feet heads would uh, blow apart on you if you hit a rock at full speed. Mm. Like it would damage it a fair bit. But, yeah. mm. It's all like personal preference, mate. Everyone likes a different thing. At the end of the day, I used to use Tanaka heads, and I used to love them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What do you think of them? Bump feed head or? Uh, no, the metal ones that you have to manually do it. Ah, uh, yeah. I 
Honestly, when I first started out, I used them a fair bit because that was a in thing at the time with the uh, Trailblazer 3.3 mil line, the green stuff. But after a while, I realised that uh, every time it snapped off, you'd have to get the screwdriver out, pry the line back out, and stop what you're doing. You know, it just become a nightmare. Like, you'd, yeah, you'd constantly be if you were going through thick stuff and the line was breaking, you'd constantly have to stop what you're doing, get the screwdriver out, pry the line out, put a new piece through. Just not for me, mate. Not for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We live and we learn. Yeah, that's it, hundred percent. But yeah, there's still heaps of people that use them, so. It's just one of those things. They've actually um, had a bit of a problem with them. Basically, the arbor coming out of the gearbox seems to be a little bit longer these days and the thread's exposed on a steel machine, that is. A little bit of thread's exposed, so when you're going along, you're actually wearing the thread out in your arbor. The steel's actually brought out a new style of that head. Basically, it's got a bit of a recess, so the arbor's protected. That's a pretty good one. It's a little bit different though, so you can have four bits of line, well, four bits of line coming out, or two bits of line coming out. So. Four bits of line coming out, like a swingback mower blade, basically. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I've never seen that before. Yeah. How does that work when you're undoing it? Basically, it's two pieces of line. Same idea as a Tanaka head. You feed it through and do a knot out the other end. But basically, this one, you two pieces of line. Basically, two ends of one piece of line coming out on one side and two ends of the other piece of line coming in the other. So Right, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. You, know, you do need a fair bit of power to power them though, especially using the thick lines. Yeah. i got some pretty big brush cutters, mate, I'll tell you what. <laughs> yeah. Not very popular though, the big ones on it, I reckon. General garden maintenance, mate, you don't need anything big. You're better off having something medium sort of size. When you're doing clearing, like, Bush stuff, uh, really thick scrub. That's when you need a bigger machine. They call call them uh, clearing source. So you know, put the metal blades on them and stuff, and just go for hours on them. Build up a nice sweat and build some nice forearms. Yep. <laughs> That's it. Get a nice comfy harness, mate. Yeah. Lovely. How do you like the harness? Do you do you like using that or? Personally, not. It, it really depends what you're doing. Like I don't generally find myself doing slashing, uh, like slashing a block or whatever. Uh, it's more just trimming the edges of my lawn and you don't need a bull bar machine for that. So that's just a little ring handle machine, which is easier to use without a harness. So. But there is some comfy ones out there, I'll tell you what. Like, uh, pretty uh, supportive of the back and all that. Like, very good. Yeah, they are good if you're doing like a, yeah, like you say, like a big open paddock or something like that and you need to brush cut it down. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. So what else do you get asked about at the steel shop? Chainsaw chains, how to sharpen chains. Uh, do you guys have much to do with that? I don't personally. I, If it was up to me, you guys would be doing it all the time. Um, but my boss does do it sometimes. And what do you tell them? I'll just give them a demonstration, mate. It's the best way to tell them, you know. Reading a book sometimes isn't the best answer, you know. So you <laughs> have someone in front of you that, Shows you physically how to do it, gives you a bit of a demonstration. It makes life easier for you, I'll tell you what, 100%. For the average, like, let's say a commercial gardener who, you know, they're obviously spending money on all sorts of things every week. Do you reckon that it's worth it for them to be sharpening their own chain or do you think it's just worth it for them just get you guys to do it for them? Nah, definitely sharpen your own chain, mate, 100%. Um, really? And why do you yeah. say that? 
cheaper for one. I find a machine sharpen is not as good as a file sharpen. So if you get a grinding machine, sharpening your chain doesn't last as long, doesn't stay sharp for as long, uh, doesn't cut as quickly. Really depends what you're doing though. If you're uh, doing a bit of landscape and you go cutting a root out, you're going to stuff your chain really badly. A, a file would be pretty useless in that respect, but um, general, just doing a bit of pruning and stuff, mate, give you a uh, chain a tickle up with a, with a file, uh, come up. Beautiful. So it's definitely the way to go. And when you say, you know, you're hitting the, the dirt with the um with the tip of the chainsaw, that's basically what we're saying is the same thing again, where you're basically sandpapering down that chain because it's going so fast. Absolutely. Yep. Like if you nick the dirt with the chainsaw, you pretty much always will instantly blunt in the chain. So whether depending on what you hit, uh, whether it was completely stuffed instantly or had a little bit more life left in it. It really depends. You can stuff a chainsaw chain in two seconds if you wanted to, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you just got to be careful what you cut. <laughs> Anything above the ground is usually pretty good. Uh, it's just when you go closer to the ground. So if you're pruning, chain will stay sharp for ages. Bark harbors sand as well, so you got to be careful of that. Close to the ground is usually uh, get the old chain out, the sacrificial chain, <laughs> one that you've recently stuffed, and uh, <laughs> use that one because... Uh, you put a new chain in there, mate, you'll probably wreck it. <laughs> do people ever ask you about safety when they're buying uh, chainsaws or do they just tend to sort of ask more practical questions? There is a few things you need to know about safety with a chainsaw, like a kickback area on your bar. So the top, so on your tip of your bar, the top area of that is a kickback zone. If you hit that, the chains or the saw is going to want to fling back towards you. Yeah, you just got to let them know about stuff like that, wearing shaps, ear protection, protection but generally just having your head screwed on mate and being uh, alert to what's going on around you just tripping over something while you're using a chainsaw is not a good idea and you talked about chaps can you tell us a little bit more about what that means chainsaw chaps so kevlar basically what happens if a chainsaw chain hits a chap it's going to pull the fibers out of the chaps string it around the sprocket and instantly stop the uh, the chain from spinning rather than going through your legs. So it's definitely a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I would say that's definitely yeah. a good thing. Mm. You'd find on most like big companies and stuff that use chainsaws, um, it'd be almost mandatory to wear chaps. Your general gardener or person going out cutting fire probably wouldn't, but you know, um, it's a safety thing. Especially if you're out by yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Mate. Insane. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Just got to be careful. <laughs> Have your wits about you. Yeah. Mm. And you've also got a break there as well. So you talked about, oh, you might trip over or whatever. There's also a nice little break up there near your left wrist if you're right-handed. Yeah. There's true, a little mate, chain yeah. break up there. Yeah, and you can lock that on and off and that stops it from spinning idly. You're best off uh, doing a cut, rolling your wrist forward, turning your chain break on. And when you go to cut again, take the chain break off, do a cut. Just get in the habit of doing that. Like, um, like even myself, like years ago, I've actually cut a tree and it snapped on me and uh, I cut, obviously cut it in the wrong spot, flinged up towards my face and I stumbled backwards and there was another log behind me and I tripped back over. Oh, no. You know what I mean? Like just stuff like that. You just got to be aware of your surroundings and that's where you can really hurt yourself, you know. So, yeah. But you that chain break's right? not on. <laughs> I don't think it was, mate. <laughs> oh, it wasn't? Oh. <laughs> uh, nah. Nah. Yeah, didn't have time for that, mate. Didn't have time for that. 
yeah, we've got a guy who I've worked with before who um, sort of has quite a number of battle scars all over his leg, look like um, big zipper scars. And Ooh, yeah. it's from a chainsaw. And it'll yeah. bite into you and it'll grab even deeper. Yeah, they're pretty nasty, mate. I'll tell you what. <laughs> I haven't <laughs> been bitten yet. Don't plan on getting bitten by one, but uh, yeah, it wouldn't be fun, I'll tell you what. Another big dangerous one uh, was with chains. We get a lot of people coming in uh, with stretched chainsaw chains, like uh, if they were cutting a root or something and it just stretched the chain or there wasn't any oil in the bar or whatever. So they'll come in they want us to take a link out of the chain. That's it. <laughs> It's not a good idea, eh? Like, uh, and that because it would snap, is that right? Yeah, it creates a weak point. Don't get me wrong, it probably won't happen every time, but, yeah, it can create a weak point. The chains snap and usually it flings straight away from, like, away from you or it'll wrap around your leg. So, yeah, go stay away from that. Yeah. <laughs> Better off just nice. buying a new chain, mate. <laughs> Cheaper than a leg. And they're not that expensive, are they? Nah, not really. Depends how big your chainsaw is, mate. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So what else do you get asked? Why isn't my machine starting? That's a, another huge one. You know, generally speaking, people flood their machines. Uh, it's quite easy to do. You're not experienced with it. We usually just start them straight up for them, make sure it's that. Uh, if not, we book them in. But, um, yeah, generally, if someone brings in a machine saying, I can't start it, it's flooded. Nine times out of ten. <laughs> and how do you flood it? Pulling it too many times over on choke, usually. It's basically uh, pulls fuel into the cylinder, wetting the spark plug, and then it won't fire back up again. So how do you unflood it's the good one. Usually a uh, little trick we do, take the choke off, hold full throttle, pull it over about 20 times really quickly, and then it'll generally get the machine going. Um, if it's really bad, you might have to take the spark plug out. But uh, it's a good little trick, mate. We're out in the bush doing something, yeah. Flood your machine, you can't get it started. It's a lot easier doing that, doing that than having to go back to the mole shop, so <laughs> keep that in mind. That's a good one, yeah. I usually do that, but I think that that's um, probably just because I don't have another option and not, not because I've thought it through that hard. It's just because yeah, <laughs> you check the choke off and just keep going because <laughs> I know I've already had the choke on. <laughs> having a break's a good idea too, just let it sit for a little bit. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Usually by the time the people get here, it starts first pull. <laughs> like 50 times at home swearing and cursing they come in here and just go out the front bang straight first ball <laughs> they get pretty pissed off <laughs> as you can imagine yep so you just tell them don't don't put so much choke in that's it mate only one or two balls maybe three that's it a lot of the machines are going um, like auto tune that these days um it's good because you've just got a start position rather than a choke, a choke, a half choke, a run position. You've just got the start, the run, and the stop. So it uh, really prevents a lot of the, the flooding. If you start flooding, uh, you start wrong with the machine for sure. So. Is there ever anything else wrong with the machines other than flooding? Plenty, mate, plenty. Uh, blocked exhaust, another huge one we get. Basically, uh, with two-stroke ball, uh, it's best to get a full synthetic. Another thing is they don't like to be idled around too much, so it's best to keep them on full revs. Uh, use a good two-stroke or whatever the re- uh, manufacturer recommends. For, for a steel machine, it'd be 50 to 1 uh, as a ratio, which is 20 mils per litre. Yeah, basically, just always flat out, 
don't let it idle around too much. Check your air filter. Block the air filter will uh, cause the machine to run rich as well. And what I say by a blocked exhaust is uh, carbon buildup in the exhaust. Obviously, it doesn't allow any exhaust fumes to come out. The machine won't run. It'll be a very low, uh, low power. So you just got to be wary of that. Usually, it's a pretty easy fix. But uh, mate, I've had people pull machines completely down, like clap carbies off, whatnot, to find that the exhaust is blocked up, which is a five-minute fix, you know. <laughs> the first thing we go to is the exhaust. And so can you tell us how our listeners would actually go about checking their um, own exhaust? really depends on what machine you've got. Say for a steel, uh, it's usually a 15mm socket uh, around the exhaust area where the exhaust comes out or a little mesh screen. You actually see on your exhaust, you just pull it out with a pair of long nose pliers. How you go about cleaning it, either a butane torch, mat gas, which is like a yellow gas torch, yellow bottles of the gas torch, just heat it right up, get it red hot, put a bit of oxygen on it, so either blow on it, like physically blow on the when it's red hot, or grab the uh, the air gun out if you've got one, they hit with that, and they usually clean it straight up, so it's a pretty handy handy tip, mate, because uh, we get a lot of them, especially on blowers and whipper zippers, not so much chainsaws, blowers and whipper zippers do a fair bit, so... I think it's uh, really these days come down to all the emission, emission control that's on these machines. Basically, they've got to get as less emissions out the exhaust as possible and then just not burning the oil as much as they used to. So it's uh, becoming more and more of a problem. It's just how it is these days, mate. Got to save the environment, eh? So I guess our listeners might think about checking the air filter first because that's a pretty easy one. Then you might, you know, come back and check the choke and see if that maybe it's time to start pulling that thing a little while. But I think nine out of 10 of our listeners are really going to be handing their machines over to a shop uh, if it, if it's an exhaust, because I don't think many people are going to be able to fix that themselves. Well, that's fine. Um, look, um, to start with, you probably won't do any of this stuff yourself, but over time you'll learn. Don't be too concerned about it. Look, it all takes time, mate. You'll pick it all up. The idea is that the end of the day that you can fix most stuff in your machines you don't have to rely on someone else to do it uh, it's good saves you a bit of money get the job done quicker being able to get on the road straight away but uh, it is also good to have a spare machine like you mentioned uh, earlier definitely helps mate you got to back up you can't rely on the shops to fix your machine straight away well, sometimes you will get in instantly but not all the time mate no, you've got downtime mate you lose money eh well, that's it. I mean, it, you look, if it's just even just a, you know, just an El Cheapo, $100, whatever thing, if that's all you can afford for your backup, at least have that. Yeah, that's it. As long as it, as long as it starts, mate, you sort of, you know. There is a good product out there these days, uh, still a release, uh, it's a Moto Mix. don't know if you've heard of it before. Basically, it's a, a fuel that lasts a lot longer than normal petrol. It's a pre-mix two-stroke. You can buy it in a can pre-mix, you just pour it in your machine. As it is, I believe it's two years that it lasts for. As uh, we normal fuel will probably last between a month and three months before it starts to go off. So if it's something you're not using often or a backup machine, you can put that in there, run it through it, and then that way you know uh, when you go to start that machine, it will start. There won't be any carburetor issues and whatnot. So uh, that's a good thing to, to go for as well. 
Okay, so that fuel actually uh, gives less of the um, carbon buildup. That too. It's very low emission, but it's more the fact that it won't clog your carburetor up from uh, sitting there. So mm. say, for instance, a tool you don't use very often, you put it in that, run it through it. So six months later when you do start the machine, you're not going to have problems. It will start, it will run, it'll do what it needs to do. I can imagine that being very handy. Yeah. Like anyone that we sell that stuff to, they never come in with problems in regards to that ever. So yeah, it's, it's really, it's been, it's a bit too expensive to be using as your main fuel uh, if you're doing a lot of work. Like for your general homeowner that uses their machine once a week for 10 minutes, it'd be fine. But for a contractor using it all day, every day, absolutely not uh, too much. And in that case, you wouldn't have to worry about it anyway because you're going through the fuel constantly, cycling it. Uh, you're always getting fresh fuel. You're not going to have to worry about it going off as well. So that is probably the biggest thing is uh, stale fuel, wrecking carburetors. People don't use their whip snipper over winter because the grass isn't growing. Go to start it. The start of summer, it doesn't start. Then uh, they bring in here. That's generally what happens. <laughs> we try and educate everyone on that, but uh, you know, it's a bit hard sometimes. Oh, I imagine. <laughs> So I guess I want to know, is it worth it for a contractor maybe just to run it through the machines once? Is that going to provide any uh, benefit? Like is it going to clean out the machine or? No, no, it's just um, I just would use it as a storage thing. So if you're going to put a machine aside, not use it for a while, run it through it then. There's no like long-term benefit to just running a tank through it and then going to normal fuel, you know. It's just a storage thing just to hmm. prevent it's just preventative maintenance, really. Yep, that makes a lot of sense. So, are there any other questions that people sort of tend to ask you? Do you guys have anything to do with like uh, axes, for instance? Do most of that? Uh, yeah, I mean, probably not. I, I mean, where I'm working, everywhere I've ever worked, probably go for either chainsaw or loppers. Yeah, I suppose so. Like, axe is pretty. Uh, I've found an axe is a good tool to get a root out of the ground, to be honest with you. Um, okay. So it's like a chainsaw chain. I, that's probably my go-to tool for that. I'm sure a lot of landscapers would be taking roots out of the ground. Uh, we do a lot of hand tools and stuff as well, but mm. uh, mainly chainsaws, blowers and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely see an axe coming in handy for that. Uh, I usually just use a matic, but that's a lot of hard work. I think an axe would probably come in handy. What's a matic? Uh, like a pickaxe. Yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, work quite well. Yeah, you've got a bit of leverage to it, so you can kind of uh, pry it out. But uh, I think if you had an axe as well as the matic, that would probably be pretty good. Yeah, usually, you just use the axe to chop all the runners off the main road. Gives you that excess to, to rip the main road out. You know, instead of like pulling all those mm. weight of all the saw that's on those roads. You know? What advice do you have about axes then? Get something decent. <laughs> 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 Same as everything. Axes on axes, mate. Yeah, that's it. I'm a pretty uh, strong believer of buy once and buy good, you know. At the end of the day, if you buy heaps of cheap stuff and constantly throw it out, you might as well just bought a good one to start with and kept it for a while, you know. Nothing lasts forever, but uh, if you look after it, it'll look after you. Absolutely. Yep, that's why um, I definitely like using steel products. That's it, mate. I mean, you're still going to look after them. So, uh, I suppose they just last a little, well, 
don't want to say that, but they probably just last a bit longer than uh, other, some other machines when you, you don't look after them, you know. Yeah. There's a lot yeah. of people out there that do nothing <laughs> for their machines. Like they never clean their air filter, never flush their fuel tank out, like get all the debris out of the fuel tank, like never grease them up. And it just wears them out, mate. And by the time they've bought them in, there's that many things wrong with them. It's, some of the times it's just not worth fixing. Uh, if you do a little little bit of uh, preventative maintenance, like usually it shows you in the owner's manual what to do and how to do it, uh, just the basic stuff. It'll uh, save your machine in the long run, that's for sure. We try to do all the regular maintenance things, but we they definitely get a beating. Like in the back of the tray, you know, you just pick it up and then you'll accidentally drop it on the concrete. And uh, I don't, can't count how many times we've done that to our blowers and they're still fine. They're pretty strong, mate. Like, uh, I think I had a customer that had a, a big backpack blower, flew out the back of his car going down the hallway at 100 k's, <laughs> wasn't strapped down properly. And uh, it actually wasn't that bad. Like it just needed a few bits of plastic replaced and it was sweet. Yeah. So they're pretty strong. <laughs> still good. So, yeah. Flesh wound. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of like the plastic and stuff, I got recently a um, steel backpack sprayer. It's got about three times as much plastic in it for the same volume of um, liquid than the previous one I had. It's built like an absolute brick. Which one was that? Uh, SG71 or the older oh. version SG10? I think it's the newer one. The arm locks up by itself. That's all I can really say. SG20, so. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, they're pretty good, oh, mate. Right. The fresh uh, sprayers, mate, the one number one rule is just got to clean them out. Okay, you can clean the liquid, whatever you've got in there, or the pesticides or the weed spray. You just got to flush them out, mate, keep them clean. So it just builds up a lot of gunk. Had a few problems with uh, filter blocking up uh, in the handle. I don't know if you know, most of them have a, a little uh, mesh screen inside the handle. Basically, they that will block up and then you just keep pumping it. You're like, why is it not? Why is this pump not working? You know, like it's building up a lot of pressure and it's, you're pretty much forcing the handle and it ha- snaps the handle off where you could have just cleaned that out. Um, yeah, it's just one of those things, mate. Again, just read the manual, hey? Yeah, that's it. It'll actually tell you in the manual, clean it out every time you use it. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, yeah. That's no one does that. Happen. <laughs> 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 uh, just every now and again would help just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And is that just water? You just clean it out with water? Yeah, just flush it out. I think the biggest problem is like um, when you've got pesticides and nasty stuff in there, you don't really want to just tip it. Yeah, it's hard to find somewhere to put it, you know what I mean? Like it's, you can't throw it down the drain, but no good finding somewhere to clean it out. So for me, it's a um, hard thing, I find. <laughs> so. so what do people usually ask you about lawnmowers? What mole should I get um, is a big one. It really all boils down to what sort of lawn you have, um, your budget is, how much you're going to be using it, real moles versus rotary moles, whether they want two blades, four blades, whatnot, battery, petrol. There's so many options, mate, you know. Like I'm, I'm sure it'd be quite boggling to not have one and then go to buy one. You've got all these options. Uh, but yeah, I... I personally, I'm a big fan of the uh, Massport mowers. Very good mm-hmm. quality. Mm-hmm. I know if you've used them before. Yep, love it. Uh, yeah, no, they're great. Uh, 
good cut, uh, solid catches. They tend to last a fair while. Briggs and Stratton Motors are very good as long as you look after them, obviously. But then again, there's that many different options than mowers. Well, personally, on my lawn, I've, I've actually got a rotary and a cylinder mower. I've got a tree on my front lawn. It drops a lot of leaves and stuff, uh, leaves and flowers and whatnot. You go over the real mower and, uh, with the real mower, it doesn't tend to pick up all the leaves and debris. Like It might look good, but it looks dirty, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. got all the, all the rubbish all over the lawn, but, but when you mm. go over the, um, the rotary, it picks it all up. So, like, I honestly don't know how people get by with just a real mark because uh, <laughs> if you're sitting there blowing your lawn off every time as well afterwards, you know. But, yeah. Oh, well, we just rake before. <laughs> rake or blow before is the secret, I think. Blowing afterwards is the second best option. Yeah, that's it, mate, yeah. Whip a snip first, mow afterwards. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. And what about whips? What do people usually ask you about them other than, you know, choke and getting it started? Right in the line on the head. Uh, it's really what the best option is for them, mate. You know, like uh, someone comes in asking for a machine, you, the first question you ask is what is your application? What are you doing with it? How, how many hours of work are you going to be doing with it? Uh, how often? Um, and you just got to go through the models and, see what's best for them with their budget, you know, whether they want to go cheap or something that's going to last them a bit longer, a bit more powerful. It's just something you got to go in and ask your, your local power tool dealer, mate, and usually they'll talk you through it, I'm sure. What about blowers? Other than the things we've already talked about, what do people tend to ask when it comes to blowers? Battery or petrol. It's a big thing, uh, especially more so domestic uh, applications. Realistically, these days I'd go battery over petrol for domestic every day of the week, uh, unless you've got a really big area you have to do. Um, Is that right? Yeah. It's just so... I've got battery... I've got big petrol chainsaws. I've got a decent uh, whip snipper petrol one. Uh, Everything else is battery, uh, just because I don't use it that often. And when I do want to use it, it starts, it runs, there's low noise. Uh, Don't get me wrong, there's a lot of rubbish battery machines out there on the market. Some people have had bad experiences with them. They tend to avoid them, but there's a lot of good ones out there too. Uh, to get the right one, mate, as well. Definitely last year and uh, do a good job. So what brands do you recommend? Uh, still, for sure, mate. For lithium. <laughs> for, yeah, right. Still is really good, mate. They've, they've been around for years and years, and I've still got some of the original stuff that first come out, and it's still working fine, like batteries and whatnot. So there is much bigger more capacity batteries out there these days, but the older ones still work on the machines. It's just they don't run for as long. So you can still keep that one you have existing in the in the work you there? Exactly, mate. Exactly. Um, got a few commercial guys that have gone battery as well. Like there's bigger options, backpack batteries. And if you need to keep the noise down, mate. It's um, the best thing, 100%. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. There's no servicing, no noise, mm-hmm. no fumes. Done it all day. It's... Uh, it's really good. And how long do you reckon one of those batteries would last for a commercial operation? Uh, as far as runtime or overall yeah, life? Yeah, runtime. If you're on a blower, let's just say you're on just a blower. I don't forget your runtime sheet out, mate, for a big backpack. Oh, okay, battery. yeah. Uh, but, um, mate, they, they last a fair while. Uh, I'll give you an example. A battery head trimmer, uh, professional range, HSA 86 uh, with a... 
AP300S battery, which is the, the biggest uh, plug-in battery we have at the moment. You're looking at 3.7 hours of use on a single charge, up to 3.7 hours of use. But that is a hell of a lot of use, mate, like, of one charge. The fast charger charges it well, well under an hour as well, so you could literally have two batteries, a fast charger, an inverter in your car, swapping them over, and you never run out, mate, so... It is a really good system. Well, that's not a problem at all because I'm fueling up at least that every day. Yeah. In, in fact, a lot more often than that. Yeah, 100%, mate. That, that is just a, um, a head trimmer. It's probably the, the least power-sucking machine you can get. The blower's the worst. Put it this way, that particular battery, I believe it's about half an hour on a blower. So you compare to 3.7 hours on a head trimmer. So Yeah. You know, they use a lot more power. And um, another thing that you choose to juice is like on and off of the power all the time. You know, it takes mm. more power for it to get it going than it does to keep it going. That's what I say up to. <laughs> yeah. And every time you take your finger off the trigger, that's engine off. Yeah, engine off. Not like a petrol blower. That's it. It's a good thing with the, the blower as well because you can actually completely stop the air coming out. That's where the petrol blower is constantly ticking over a little bit, you know, so. It has its advantages and whatnot. But yeah, there is, with the backpack battery, mate, it's a lot more than 30 minutes, I can tell you that. You can, most of the guys have been able to get easily a day's work out of it, like doing blowing, insuring. Wow. Uh, out of one single battery. Yeah. Uh, How heavy is it? Uh, about 10 kgs. That's a backpack. So it sits on your back, it's pretty comfy. Comfy to use. It's not just still to do those, mate. I think that's fine. They've got something similar out. I don't have much to do with it, to, do with it, to be honest with you, but um, I know the still one's very, very good. Yeah. I mean, it's better to carry a lot of that weight on your back too than, you know, in a petrol hedger uh, where it's right there all in, all in your hands. Yeah, so that's that it, Because yeah. they're going to be lighter, aren't they? Yeah, correct. It really depends, mate. Like the machines where you plug the battery into, you know, they're, they're quite light machines, uh, even when you put the battery in them. A lot of the professional gear where you have the backpack battery, you actually have a cable that plugs into the machine itself. They tend to be a bit more robust, so they're actually like your petrol machines, but they've got a battery motor, if you know what I mean. So they're just as solid as your petrol your petrol stuff. So, uh, really depends, mate. You, more so like your fumes, noise, not having to worry about petrol. They're the advantages of that. It is appealing. I just, I would love to make the switch as a gardener, but I do worry about um, just not having the power. Like with a hedger, for example, like sometimes I just need that grunt of a petrol engine. Do you think that we can get any sort of comparison with the lithium? With a hedge trimmer? Yeah. A- absolutely, mate. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. And the, wow. the bigger end stuff, absolutely. Yeah. The biggest problem with the battery stuff is it's pretty expensive to get into it. You know what I mean? Like it's not cheap. Not a cheap process. You got to buy the battery, you got to buy the charger, then you got to buy the machine itself. And if you're just going for like, say, a hedge trimmer, that combination is just going to be way more expensive than just buying a petrol hedge trimmer. You know what I mean? But if you're thinking about buying a battery and a charger, but then buying a lot of other individual items, you know, it might be a bit cheaper. A little bit cheaper doing that way. So. I guess you'd probably have to factor in as well the cost of petrol. Petrol, yeah, servicing. Don't get me wrong, you still have to service it every now and again. But you don't have to worry about the fuel system and all that, you know what I mean? Um, 
just got a battery motor. There's no fuel and worry about air filters and blocked exhaust for one, um, any of that sort of stuff. So it's a lot more simple, simplified. So is there anything else you want to tell the listeners about? Support, support your local power store, mate. Power store store, mate. It's uh, support, support the locals. Uh, usually uh, the family business, the, the old steel shop, the last bar shop, you know, so support the locals, mate. So it's a good thing. That's it, mate. Thanks so much for the episode. That was awesome. No worries, buddy. Yeah. If you know a professional gardener that buys all of their equipment from a large warehouse-style power tool shop, Send them this podcast episode and tell them that they're missing out on an opportunity to shop local and to get the best service on their machines. Make sure to check out the links in the show notes as usual, where I have links to stuff we've talked about in this episode, as well as articles I've written, including one titled Tools of the Trade, where I list all the tools I use regularly and keep in the work gear. I might have to add an axe to the list after Dan made a great case for keeping a good quality one on board. I'm also pretty sure I'll have to get Eric to buy one for my work ute. Subscribe and follow for more episodes and share the Plants Grow Here podcast with your green-thumbed friends and family.